Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Square One. A podcast where we take our guests back to square one, where they first started their business, so that you can learn from their successes and failures. Brought to you by Isaiah and Malcolm with Omni Home Services. Today we have the one and only Justin Bethune. Guys, be on the lookout for his new podcast at Build Something Media. Uh, we're going to get into that uh, in a second to better intro your podcast. But this is a man that is focusing on an avatar. Are you a contractor? Are you wearing your belt? Are you doing the work yourself? Are your phones ringing and you just can't really answer them? You can't really afford to uh, hire the staff. Justin is the guy that's creating a platform that will help you accelerate and get to the next level. Justin, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Justin is also the owner and operator of Crawl Logic, Window Source, the Home Source Network, and again, Build Something Media. So check out the podcast, Build Something Media. I think his first episode just dropped today, but experience has been there for years. Exactly. So we plan on um, going most likely weekly, if not more, on the podcast. Um, so we've we've already got people on the schedule and everything. So yesterday was kind of a test run. Everything uh, worked out really well. We're in the process of building a studio uh, since we do home theaters and uh, custom studios. We're we're looking to uh, take a tool shed that we've got and convert that to a, uh, a recording studio for ourselves and make a build series out of it. So, well, your intro was awesome. So good for you on that. <laughs> that was very organic. It, uh, it worked out really well. <laughs> it looked it, it looked very produced. So good for you. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, Justin, if, for you guys to uh, put some clarity, Justin has a couple of businesses and runs. Um, it looks like a dozen, 15 crew members with uh, some sub crews of six or seven crews. So uh, anybody that hasn't been in the industry of fixing shit, they don't really understand how difficult it is. Yes. So kudos to you, sir. Thank you. Um, we're going to jump right into our first question, and we're talking about failures here on our podcast and what we learn from them. A lot of people in your your projected avatar, where they're wearing that tool belt, they know what they're doing, right? And then they hire somebody, and they don't know what they're doing, or they spend years and years turning them into, you know, an apprentice or a carpenter or whatever. And I just realized I hijacked your question. So um, tell us about a failure that you've learned in this industry, uh, and then what you've learned from it, please. So probably the biggest failure that I had coming in, um, luckily for me, straight out of the gate, I hired a, a business coach who um, focused just on contractors. And he helped keep my mindset in the right place that when you're a business owner, you're not a business owner, you're a salesman, number one, always sales. Sales is the lifeblood of your business. If you don't have sales coming in, it doesn't matter how good of a, uh, a carpenter you are, how good of a craftsman you are. Your work doesn't matter if you're not making money and you're not generating revenue. And luckily for me, I had mostly a sales background. I, I grew up on construction sites and stuff. My grandfather was a paint contractor uh, for about 50 years. Uh, so when I first came in, my goals were all sales driven and we started, uh, it was uh, around June, the first year that we started 
And so I, it was, it was just me. And then I hired a secretary a few months in to, to kind of help me with that stuff. And I was focused just on sales and I was still learning how to actually track your numbers and where you should be on everything. And I was kind of going off of just the going rate. Okay. Mistake, one, mistake one way to number calculate one. Process. It's where I see a lot of guys screw up right out of the gate. The first full year in business, I did well over a million dollars in revenue. Kudos. So I crushed my goal. Didn't make a dime. That was a really hard lesson. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there at the end of the year, and I'm like, man, we did $1.3 million in revenue. Where the hell's all the money? And so I was so focused on generating revenue and spending money wherever we could to get those leads I wasn't focusing on where those leads were coming from, how much they were costing me. I learned the hard way <laughs> with a really large uh, revenue target how to track your numbers the right way. And so, so what I discovered was we were making sales and we were generating leads, but our cost per lead, our cost per sold job was so high that we weren't making any money. And so we had, we had to do a complete 180 hit the reset button, figure out where our numbers needed to be profit wise, and then work backwards from that to figure out what our revenue targets should be, how much we should be spending per lead, how much our, our costs should be on each job, what our gross profit should be. And you've got to know all that before you can figure out where your net profit's going to be. And a lot of guys also don't understand the difference in gross profit and net profit. And we can talk for hours and about the differences there and, and where your target should be. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my, the, my biggest failure. But luckily for me, I didn't go to college or I didn't finish college. And so I didn't have a bunch of student debt. So there was, uh, there was my college degree right there. <laughs> nice. You talk about like the cost of generating leads. Were there other expenditures or expenses that you guys were seeing on the front end? Yeah. So we'd kind of taken my in the position that we were in we'd taken my dad's old business he was retiring and we had a location um there was a house next to the shop that we turned into our office and it's really easy to come in and spend a ton of money on a space when you don't really have it yet so right out of the gate um you know buying tools making sure you've got a, a decent truck um putting together an office putting together a staff outfitting that office that house was like 70 or 80 years old it was pretty dilapidated i wanted to go in and fix up the whole thing and have this nice office space and you've got this idea of well i'm gonna have this business and i'm gonna have this front and we're gonna put out this sign and everybody's gonna think we're amazing nobody ever came to the office <laughs> it didn't matter i mean what we Why were did doing you put that money there yeah it's like okay uh so we've got this nice office space to impress these quote-unquote customers that never come by and uh, everybody that was working in the office could have been working from home. This was all pre COVID. Mm. So nobody was really thinking about working from home, especially in the construction industry. It's like, why would, why would you do that? I need to be able to go in and see you face to face and tell you what to do. We had no idea, you know, it was a completely different world back then. And uh, so that, that was another thing was just spending money where it didn't need to be spent or uh, spending money on things that we hadn't earned yet. I see a lot of guys do that and they want, they want that. Well, I'm a business owner, so I've got to have a new truck and I've got to have the brand new tools and I've got to have, you know, the best of the best. And we have to put out this image. 
a lot of guys mess up there. They go out and get a $1,200 a month truck payment on uh, a brand new big old sweet diesel truck, which uh, I have, but I've had been driving the same truck for six years and now it's got 300,000 miles on it and it's about, oh, it's about to be paid off. So that's, I'm sticking with it. So I've, I've learned my lesson on that front as well. So yeah, just all kind of costs that really didn't have anything to do with building the business other than just building my ego more or less. This is an interesting one. Have you seen in particular any trades that especially struggle with that on the front end of just not really keeping in mind their expenditures and just getting a little bit in too deep on what you're talking about? Any franchise. Mm. I see that a lot. Because of the upfront cost? The upfront cost and the image. Mm. Um, so especially when people open a franchise in the trades, they want the commercials, they want the billboards, they want the truck wraps, you know, you've got to portray this image. And I think that's pushed a lot from the franchise itself because they want you to keep up with all the other locations. And so I kind of went through that myself as well. Um, yeah, I, I see that probably more with franchises than anything else. So this is a little off of our questionnaire here, but you're a unique individual that has a non-franchised business that you have, Crawl Logic, and then a you bought into a franchise called Window Source. Yes. Hit us just super quick, high level pro and con of a franchise. Pros, obviously, it's uh, kind of you're buying a business that's already established. So you're going to go in, you're already working for a company that's already got a name. So when I bought in, it included a website that was already built for you, uh, a brand that's already built for you. They've already got marketing guys lined up that are already working with the other locations. So they already know how to do the SEO and the, and the ads and all that stuff. Um, your resources are there. They want you to be successful because they're making money whenever you make money. So the model that we had with the company that we started with is they make their money when we order the products. So there's not like a, a monthly franchise fee or a percentage or anything. Being with the window replacement, they got paid every time we ordered a window from the manufacturer. So the more windows we sell, the more money they make. On the downside on that is they make money when we order windows. They don't make money off of our profit. So they just want you to sell more windows. So you can kind of fall into, into that where you're focusing on just they want you to sell more windows. Um, I think a lot of franchises could do a better job on making sure that their business owners are profitable. Do you get uh, the proper amount of support from that franchise? And I guess we could edit that out if you don't want to answer it. But uh, if with any franchise, have you seen the does the franchise owner get the proper support? Yes and no. Okay. It, it depends on how you handle it yourself. And depends on um, if you actually use the tools and the resources um, that are there for you. Fair enough. We usually have a, a question on the pod about a strategy or tactic that could really help someone to propel into that space of a positive ROI on the immediate basis. But kind of want to open that up a little bit more and say, based off of the last answer that you gave on the failure as far as helping a tradesperson or really anyone focus on profitability on the front end, if you kind of wanted to answer that from like a twofold standpoint. So you got to work everything backwards. 
it all starts with your cost. What is your set monthly cost, your overhead? Like the bills that you have to pay, whether you're selling jobs or not, you have to figure that up. Then you have to figure up what you need to make to pay your bills as an owner. And that should be factored into your overhead because you should be getting that every single month. You shouldn't be stealing from yourself and you shouldn't be taken away from your family. If you're going to be a business owner, you need to make sure that you're getting paid, which we all struggle with as a business owner, because you always want to make sure all your guys get paid, even if you're not getting paid. And I've been there, but it needs to be a focus. Then you work backwards. You figure out what your average sold job is. So say your average job is $5,000 and your overhead is, let's just make, make the numbers easy. Say you've got $5,000 in overhead every month. Your average sold job is $5,000. You want to look at that and figure up. Also, you have to have numbers to work with. There are kind of numbers that you can generally start with as, you know, any, any investment should be a 10 X. So if you're spending a thousand dollars on leads, it should turn into $10,000 in sales. So if we can kind of look at it like that, you're spending, say you're going to spend a thousand dollars on leads. It should turn into $10,000 in revenue. So therefore in, in that model, it's going to be two sold jobs. Now you have to look at materials and labor. And so if it's costing you $2,500 to produce a $5,000 job, you're at $2,500 for that. So in that model, you've got $5,000 left over after selling $10,000. And if your overhead is $5,000, you have no profit left over. So from there you have to look at, okay, so once my overhead is paid, how much do I have to be over that to have a net profit of 20%, which should be the goal after your overhead is paid. So you try to structure it to where materials and labor is 50%, 30% goes to overhead and 20% goes to net profit. And you've got to play with those numbers and work backwards to figure that out. Okay. We're going to stop right there. Kind of. So a lot of people ask if we can be more specific on our podcast and you're going right down the good alley. Okay. So, oh, yeah. uh, so you're going to help some listeners here. Um, I would like to first add, Kudos to adding in. If you're going to start your own business or if you already have, got to factor in the cost of living for your family. Whether you're a pass through company or any kind of setup, if you don't plan for that number, your ass is going out of business and exactly. you're going to go get a job because you got to feed your family, right? So thanks for adding that. I would like to get very specific in a couple things and you've hit them. I just like to set them out very clearly. Tell us exactly what you're tracking you said um average uh job cost are you tracking cost of, you said cost of goods sold close rate average dollar per lead what are the written down things that a contracting company or whoever should be tracking or that you're tracking so your gross profit okay should be number one so to figure up your gross profit it is your gross profit is what's left over after you pay to produce the job. So say you're say you're subbing the job out. Say just to make it easy, it's a it's a handyman little, you know, one day gig for for two handymen to go take care of something for you. So say that it you have to pay those two guys and the material five hundred dollars. That's to produce the job. Well, whatever's left over on top of that is your gross profit. So say that you're shooting for a 50% gross profit. You should have $500 for material and labor. That's what it costs you direct to get the job completed. And then you have 50% left over for gross profit. 
And then what are we going to be taking out of gross profit? Lead source? Any overhead that you have. So uh, so there's a fixed cost. Office staff, marketing, um, the cost of your truck, your oh. fuel, your insurance, any licenses that you have to have, permits that you have to pull in office or warehouse or storage, any of that stuff. And then an average maintenance. Uh, <laughs> one thing guys forget to think about is how do we do all this stuff? We need tools. We need tools and equipment and trailers and stuff. What are you spending on average per month to replace tools or to do maintenance on your equipment? And you went and bought a trailer. What's your payment on that trailer? You've got to factor all that in. All of that comes out of that 30%. Okay. So fixed cost and uh, non-fixed cost as far as trailers, equipment, all that should come out of 30, including marketing? Yes, everything. Okay. So then you got 20% left. 20%. That should be your profit. That it goes in your le- pocket? No. Okay. Talk to us. Your payment out of your pocket comes out of your overhead. That's your fixed cost. In your 30%? In your 30%. Okay. And then where does this last 20% go? Back into the business. Where? Your rainy day fund. What's everybody talking about right now? Taxes. Well, as far as the business goes, everybody's slow. Sure. Because we just had Christmas, just the holidays. It's cold. It literally snowed and rained. It snowed. (laughs) So what do guys do when they don't have work? They start getting desperate. Why are they getting desperate? Because they don't have any money in the bank. You've got to have a rainy day fund. Your business has to have capital to work off of. What happens if a truck does break down? And that's not in your normal expenses. What happens when somebody gets in a wreck or falls off a ladder? Yeah, and you get sued. Yep. It happens. Uh, you got to go pay you gotta go pay your lawyer to make sure that somebody's not going to sue you over a paint job. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that happened, huh? Yes. <laughs> uh, is taxes coming out of that 30%? Yes. Okay, cool. Sales tax. And any other kind of uh, income taxes or? But typically at the end of the year, you're going to be paying taxes off of that profit, that 20%. Okay. That's going to be what, what you're filing as, as profit for the business. And the money that comes for paying those taxes should come out of the 20% or that's included the in 20, the 30? Well, your 20% because that's your profit for okay. the business. And then that's also for any owners or bonuses or you know your profit share for any partners anything like that all that comes out of your profit but that's your money to put back into the business so okay so say you did four hundred thousand dollars in total revenue net last year well this year you want to do six hundred thousand well, where's the money going to come to generate new leads it needs to already be there if the money's not already there what are you going to go borrow it to spend on ads or to spend on a new marketing company or a media guy, it's got to come out of that 20%. You've got to have it there. So I'm curious here, you said any marketing dollar should return in 10x. That's uh, a good rule of thumb. I mean, is that something that you just you shoot for? Is this something that should be? Is this something you read? Is this something you dreamt of? It was something that I was taught, Okay. luckily. Um, but then we kind of learned on that. But the way things are going the last few years... We're seeing more of an ROI on things that don't cost money. Like? Social media. Okay. Yep. Um, So most of my leads come from Facebook, uh, just all the content that we post. And it doesn't cost me anything but time to produce these videos and put these posts together. And that's where all of our leads come from. So we want to build a brand uh, through social media. 
And if you can't do it yourself, obviously you're going to have to source that out and that's going to be a cost. But when it really comes down to it, you're tip, if you're doing it the right way with the right people, you're going to spend less than 10%. Uh, but that was just a good number. When I first started, I was more at 20% because we were just paying. Sure. We we went down that Angie's lead. Oh, good. Yeah, Lord. yeah. We, did, you know, we did that too. Don't, yeah, don't, we've let's all, not beat ourselves up for that. It helped me build a brand for what we can produce, but it we were over 20%. So that, that was taking all of our profit. That, that's how we ended up in that pickle. <laughs> Getting out of that pickle was a little more difficult for us, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, Justin, do you have any favorite routines you could tell us about? What do you want, like a bench press routine, squat Whatever. routine? <laughs> I mean, is it getting up in the morning, wow. uh, hanging out with the kids. I mean, some people like just to sit there and be by themselves. Yeah. Um, not like a daily, like specific routine. I'm pretty, I mean, in this business, you got to be flexible. Sure. Um, if I'm, uh, if I'm running two leads a day, you never know when they're going to be. You got, you got to be there when people are going to be home. I try to do a lot of that on the front end, uh, where I'm doing a lot of stuff, Digitally, getting pictures, getting basic measurements, pulling property records to get measurements and stuff, giving people kind of a ballpark of what they're going to be looking at before I ever get in front of them, um, cutting down on windshield time. So I, I try to eliminate that as much as possible to kind of try to keep a routine. But with everything I got going on right now, man, it's like uh, if I can sleep four hours a night, <laughs> that's the I'm best happy. routine. <laughs> the only routine I really stick to is uh, I started doing intermittent fasting a few years ago. And uh, so I really kind of try not to eat anything before noon at the earliest. Most times it turns into four o'clock. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh, man, it's four o'clock. I haven't eaten anything today. Um, but if I, I find if I don't eat breakfast, I don't get hungry and it keeps my blood sugar pretty level. And so that keeps me from getting that brain fog. And I know we all go through that. You have a lunch meeting, you go sit down at a Mexican restaurant, you eat a bunch of food, and you're like, man, I need a nap. <laughs> yeah. I find if I don't eat, I'm good. And I just go home and pig out. <laughs> Our listeners might not know this, but I'm sure Cameron can see. You're pretty swole, dude. You don't have a workout routine, man? I did. Uh, <laughs> so when, when I quit playing football uh, after high school, I needed something to do. And I was always better in the weight room than I was on the football field. So I was a pretty mm. mediocre football player. Uh, so I got into powerlifting. I did that for 12 years. I was a strength coach. Um, that was kind of how I got my name out there. Uh, so I competed at a pretty high level for about 12 years. And then after I retired from that, just focusing on just kind of staying healthy-ish. Um, I'm uh, over 100 pounds lighter than I was at my heaviest. I used to be a pretty hefty, overweight dude. <laughs> um Again, trying to do things quick and fast and the wrong way. I was trying to gain weight for powerlifting and got real fat. And uh, so I, I fixed that. And then um, now I just I'm so active. Uh, if I make it to the gym twice a month at this point, honestly, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, but in this business, I, I'm, I'm going all the time. I'm carrying stuff. I'm uh, I'm moving around, climbing ladders, even though I'm not wearing the belt every day. I'm still pretty hands on. Um, so that, that keeps me active. That and keeping up with an 11 year old. And uh, there's your cardio. She's in gymnastics, so she's always challenging me to handstand competitions and stuff. Yeah, that's, and you don't back down, do I you? I don't, no. no. She's gotten to where she's starting to beat me now. So I finished painting the picture for Isaiah saying this dude's swole. If you're not uh, watching our podcast, this dude's also got like a super killer beard, like a manly man beard, <laughs> and he's wearing an OD green Dewalt shirt. So yeah. um, that's going to that's gonna transition right into our next question here. 
And it, it, the question, I'm going to preface the question with, uh, Justin sees that there's enough work for so many people out there that want to do quality work that his whole thing is promoting people and helping them get that work and helping coach them through the problems that they're going to face that they may know that they're facing now or problems that they may not know that they're going to face. So tell us, Justin, if you could talk to that person that's wearing the belt or somebody that's wanting to do that. And let's say that you're a skilled craftsman. This world needs skilled craftsmen. So we want you to quit your job and like do some good carpentry shit. So Justin is trying to help promote those people. Tell us one thing that they can do that would provide a positive return on investment on their money like right now. Like right now. Isn't that always the question now? Yep. Especially with these young kids. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Isaiah. Isaiah's 12. <laughs> Everybody wants to know, what can I do to make money today? In this industry, let's be completely honest, if you're having to resort to that, you definitely screwed up somewhere. So going back to the the net profit and having money in the bank, you have got to prepare for those lean times. Um, but if you're like all the rest of us and you did screw up at some point, the quickest and easiest way that you can generate some money in this industry is get off your ass and go talk to some people. It's really that simple. You don't want to rely on that. But if you're doing a job in a neighborhood you better be knocking on every single door within eyesight of that front door. And it's not, it's not a sales call. It's, it's very simple. You go next door, Mr. And Mrs. Homeowner, here's my business card. We're doing business next door. I just wanted to let you know, this is my contact information. My, me and my guys are going to be over here working. If anybody parks in the wrong place, if there's any trash that ends up in your yard, if there's any, if there's too much noise, if we're here too late, whatever, if there's any sort of issue, you give me a call and I'll resolve it for you. That's it. Now they've got your name. They've got your number. They know what you do. You've made an introduction and they're going to respect you for that. They're also going to appreciate the fact that you didn't try to just come in and sell them something. Hey, we've got 10% off on our paint jobs this week. You know, it's uh, and never do the desperation sale. People can smell that from a mile away. So tell people what you do. Just tell people what Don't you do. Don't be afraid to knock on a door. Exactly. Come on. Always have some business cards. With come on. You. On top of that, network. Network. Okay. So I, I learned this from my business coach, Tom Reber. Shout out to Tom. Dude is the best. Shout, Shout out. out. And uh, he is... Preach this from day one. He was a painter in Chicago and he would drive around to developments and he would just pull up in his truck, walk up. Hey man, you build shit. I paint shit. We should know each other. That's his quote. Take it to heart. We'll put that on my business card next. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's very simple. It's like, go find people who need your services and get in front of them. It's that simple. Uh, I'll expound too, and I know that you're going to say this. Like in the world we live now, if you paint shit like good, if you can build a good bookshelf, if you can do a good paint job, if you can trim a beard like yours, all you got to do is post. Hey, guys, look, this is what we did. Yeah. If you're a master landscaper and you knock on the neighbor's door, damn, that does look good next door. Uh, you know. A lot of people, my brother actually was hanging uh, Christmas lights this um, this season 
uh, shout out to Michael, and they hang the lights, and then knock rock next door and say, hey, you want your house to look as good as your neighbor's? I know, Madison, I knocked on the thing, but that was for an emphasis. Uh, and it's that simple. Like, look at this. It looks great. In the world we live in, not a lot of people make great stuff. Yeah. So it's really that simple. If you're going to start your own thing or you have started and you do a quality job, just say, hey, man, look, we make quality squeegee houses. Like, cool. I need a, I need a squeegee house. Or a stress ball, not a squeegee house. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> squeegee house. It really is kind of that simple. The, probably the best advice I can give you is get off your ass. Get off your ass. It's that simple. Got any book recommendations, Justin? Yeah. So um, I had the pleasure of meeting a guy named Marcus Sheridan. If you don't know him, look him up. And we we did a – it was uh, with my business coaches again, uh, Tom's partner, Steve Schenholzer. Shout out to Steve. Shout out. And so we had a seminar. It was like a like a men's retreat. And Marcus came and talked to us for two days. And Marcus started a pool company back in the day, like prefab pools. And so he wrote a book called They Ask You Answer. And if you're in this industry and you've got a website, which if you're in this industry and you don't have a website or at least a Facebook or any social media, Shame on you. That goes for any industry, I guess. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty much nowadays. Um, so basically what Marcus's business model on that was any question that a customer is going to have, you answer up front and you be honest about it. So on his website, you go on there and he's answering the hard questions right out of the gate. So what happens if my pool leaks? Well, they address it right there. What are the pros of your pool versus an above ground pool. Well, what are the cons? Okay. Well, if, if this is you, maybe you should go with this company and not us. He's being straight up with them. Another genius thing that he did was he wrote articles, the top five pool companies to use. And he wrote an article that included him and all four of his top competitors. And he wrote everything that his competitors do right. So think about what that's going to do for you. He put links to their websites, links to their uh, Google pages, their Facebook, everything. Now, if someone is looking for his competitor and they Google his competitor, his website's coming up because he's got backlinks to that website and mentions to that website on his website. And he's saying what they do right. He's saying what they do right. Think about what kind of trust that builds with a potential client. He's hmm. right out of the gate saying, I may not be the guy for you. And if I'm not, go talk to this guy. Pretty smart, isn't it? That is. It's not only pretty, I'm thinking some selfishly stuff here, uh, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and uh, at the Chattanooga Home Inspector, you know, we don't put, and we should, like when things go wrong, because after a home inspection, sometimes people, or after a job, after a theater job, or whatever, you... Some people don't understand like, hey, uh, my water heater is a mechanical device and you know when it's going to take a shit when you need it the most. Exactly. When you're fixing to get in the shower and you smell terrible and you're fixing to go on a date or the children's thing or something, it's not going to give out while you're at work at 1 p.m. and the plumber just randomly call you up and say, hey, I think your water heater's going out. So 
we could probably do a better job of when things go wrong because it does. It, exactly. They will. Make yourself the expert in your field. Make yourself the go-to. This is something else I learned from Tom. Become the expert. Offer free advice. So what he did as a painter is all of his YouTube videos were DIY. This is how you patch a hole when your kid throws a baseball through the wall. This is how you paint a straight line. This is how you paint stripes. This is how you put up trim. This is how you do that. So he's offering all this free advice so people trust him ahead of time. Sure. So when people get ready to move and they're selling their house, they're not going to go in and paint the entire house. Well, who are they going to call? They're going to call Tom because they trust him. He's given them free information for months, even years. And so he's the one they're going to go to. They're not going to call anybody else. And they're not going to question what it's going to cost because they trust him already. So for our listeners out there also, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't want to put my content out there of how to put trim up. Or let's say it's something more complicated. I don't want to tell somebody how to wire an in-home theater well, it's not a secret. It's right? not a secret. The information's already out there, man. It's We're not, out there. This isn't brain surgery. This is not proprietary information. You don't have a proprietary product. People think, and again, it's at the lower level, that if I tell somebody how to wire their home for an in-home theater, they're going to do it themselves. The fact is, if you're a listener and you have that mindset, we have to ask what you can do to change that because... Your client will probably go and look at that and say, oh, well, that look doesn't look too hard. I'm going to start it. And then they say, damn it. I don't want to do this. I don't. We all know how to. <laughs> Madison saying it's me. Like we put a, 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 a video out there of how to clean out your gutters. How many videos are out there how to clean out your gutters? Exactly. Probably tens of thousands. But who wants to do it? Exactly. The husband gets out there and starts climbing that ladder and shaking. Hey, this is not for me. Let me call the expert. Right. So put your content out there and then just say, this is how you do it. This is how you clean out a dryer vent, whatever. And if you don't want to do it, because I don't want to do it either, Madison, to be honest, I just want to call somebody that will. Well, it's pretty simple. Offer them something before you ask for something from them in return. Because a lot of people focus on, well, I'm putting this stuff out here so I can make money. Well, people see through that and they, they don't appreciate being sold. So if they feel like they're being sold, it comes across as hokey. Uh, it comes across as salesy. And we're really to the point nowadays, people hate salesmen. And so if you're acting like a typical salesman, if you're doing any kind of pushy stuff, like call us today is 20% off. And then you have these guys that go in, they're like, here's the price. And then they say, no, it's like, well, today we'll do 20% off. Let me call my manager. Like you want to get kicked out of the house. He's really actually talking to his wife, and his wife says, what are we having for dinner? Yeah, okay, you approve? Yeah, he, this guy's a really nice guy. Okay, my manager said yes. <laughs> Wait, so you would have sold it to me 20 minutes ago for two grand more? Get out of my house. <laughs> so we want to avoid all that crap. Uh, that That is a stigma that our industries have developed, and we're trying to overcome that. Good for you. So... Justin, you've been involved in a lot of different things, man, different businesses too. Is there anything that our listeners should know about you with these businesses that uh, might be a good value add for them? Yeah, I, I think what I, I want people to know about about me and, and our new business ventures uh, with Build Something Media is kind of the direction where we're going, kind of what we were just talking about. I'm trying to bring respect back to tradesmen. Um, we've got this, amen, right? <laughs> There's this stigma that if you swing a hammer for a living, that you're, you're not worthy. And I'm sure you've, you've been in these situations 
And I, I literally had a client tell me one time, I'm not going to pay a contractor more than I make. <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't get into business to be told how much money I can make and how much I make is none of your business, quite frankly, but you're paying for a service and you agreed to a price. What I make is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if I make $20,000 or a million dollars. And so there's, there's just this negative stigma of a guy in a truck leaking oil or a van. And if you make more than a thousand dollars a week, you're ripping people off. And that's not the way it should be. This country is built on the back of blue collar, hardworking dudes. We just went through it here a couple of weeks ago with the freezing temperatures and everything. Power lines going out, utilities freezing. Who fixed that stuff? It's not a bunch of gnomes and magic fairies that just show up out of the woods. It's hardworking dudes that are out there in the middle of the night. It's eight degrees. It's freezing. It's wet. They're away from their families. These people deserve to make a good living. And they're out here working hard. And we want to bring that respect back. But at the same time, we need everybody to get on board and work together. Stop working against each other uh, in the trades. And so what we're trying to do is bring, bring the respect back, help guys get the life that they deserve and help them build a business with resources that they wouldn't normally have access to or know how to get or to be able to afford, quite frankly. Hardworking dudes and women out there, uh, mark my words, and you can, if you think otherwise, let me know. Mark my words when I tell you, if you know a skill or a trade, you're probably, if not very, very soon, or if not now, very, very soon, you will have, that will carry more weight than a college education. 100%. And if you I, can I've fix an air for 20 years. 20, oh, okay, so I'm way behind the curve. <laughs> I've believed it for 20 years. Um, so one of the programs that we have coming up, um, with build something media connected with the home source is we're going to be looking for apprentice slash influencers. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take, um, young men and women straight out of school that want to work in the trades. They want to learn a trade, but they also want to work for themselves. And so we are going to start from square one. Train Boom, them. Shout out square one. Square one. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so we're going to start from the beginning. We are going to build them a social media platform and we're going to document the process of them learning a trade. And during that process, they are going to build their own brand and people are going to follow them. And so not only are we going to teach them a trade that they can go for the rest of their life and never have to worry about needing a job. They can always go earn money doing this, but then they will also have a social media following and building a business from day one. Uh, so that's something that we, we have coming and that I'm really looking forward to working with some young people and helping them get started in their early 20s straight out of school. I think we need more of that. Yes, there's, yes, yes. There's yes. no shop classes anymore. There's no... Really? Not a lot. You were no. in school. Yeah, you, you just graduated rest, last yeah. year, so... I think I graduated from one of two technical schools in like our region in Southeast Tennessee. There's not... I mean, a lot of schools don't even have recess anymore, man. I mean, this, look where we're going. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, you are on the track to build something media. I would like to follow up with our last question here, and it is uh, circling back to square one. I want to tell you 
personally, and uh, you said earlier that one of the first things you did was hire a coach. If you're headed down the, that road, um, highly consider a coach. Build Something Media is doing some coaching, but you know, uh, a lot of people, if you ever go to a coaching session, they'll say like, hey, who is a athlete or a triathlete in the room? And some people raise their hand and the guy goes, hey, what's the first thing you did as a triathlete? And some smart ass answer will be like, you know, hey, I signed up or like I started running. But they always get to like the second question. If it's not the first, I hired a coach. Exactly. And it baffles me that, uh, well, and I have a coach too. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, but they say, why would you hire a coach to, do you know how to swim? Do you know how to run? Do you know how to ride a bicycle? I do, but I don't know how to do it to the proficiency of a professional. So you're going to quit your job and put your family's life on the line without a coach? Exactly. Come on. It baffles my brain because people will, they'll go sign up for a gym membership and they've never worked out. They're going to hire a trainer to show them how to use the equipment, but you won't hire a coach to help you through the thing that is supposed to be feeding your family. And there's a lot more complications to that. Way more complications, a lot more risk. And so that's, that's the best advice I can give is seek out a professional coach, preferably one in your industry, uh, not just a business coach in general, because our, our business is way different than retail or, or anything like that. So it's hiring a coach that actually has experience in the construction industry, in the trades, definitely helps. Um, I have a coach myself, even though I coach other people. When I was competing in powerlifting, I was a coach. I had 10 to 15 athletes under me at any given time. I still had a coach. Come on. I've got to have somebody holding me accountable. Uh, People see you differently than you see yourself. And so in anything you do, you need someone to critique you. A lot of times we can let our ego get in the way. But it just – it amazes me how many guys will spend money on a new truck, but they won't hire a coach for a few hundred bucks a month. <laughs> That's fair. Justin, the last and most important question that we ask in the podcast is if you could take yourself back to square one and give your younger self just one piece of advice, what would that look like, man? You deserve it. Get out of your own head. Get away from the head trash that you don't deserve to be successful because you work for a living. Anything that you've got coming to you, you deserve it. If you get this scarcity mindset and this mentality that you're only worth fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a year, you're never going to get above that no matter how hard you work. So from day one, convince yourself you deserve it. You deserve to be successful. You deserve to make a lot of money. And there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel guilty for earning a living and providing for your family when, especially as the owner of any business, you're going to be the one taking all the risk all and, the and putting in the hours. You've, I know you've been there. How many times have we worked a hundred hours in seven days just to get it done? Because we've got people relying on us. It's not just our family. It's if you have employees, you've got to make sure that those people are feeding their families as well. So it, it's a lot of pressure. And if you don't have the right mindset, it will screw with you. And so just tell yourself you deserve it and and go from there. I like it. 
That's awesome, Justin, man. thank you very much for blessing us with your presence today. Make sure you check out Crawl Logic, Windows Source, Home Source Network, and most recently, Build Something Media. If you're on the track of swinging a hammer, check out our boys at Build Something Media. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Appreciate it, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Square One Podcast, a podcast brought to you by Omni Home Services, where we rep Chattanooga Home Inspector, Nuclear Pest Control, Elevate Home Staging and Design, and Radon Eraser. We release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode.